Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. We would like to continue the message on the subject of the love of God. Why don't we pray together to ask God to teach us by the Holy Spirit? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your word. We love your word. We love you, and we want to know what you say, so that we will obey. And we believe, as we obey you, your presence shall be with us, and the blessing of Abraham will come upon us, because your promise in the Bible, Lord. Those who obey your word, your precept, your principle, shall be blessed. The blessing of God shall take over, shall come over us, because we obey you, Lord. You are our Father. We are your children, and we want to obey our Father. We thank you so much for demonstrating your love to us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, we want to love you back. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. John chapter 13 verses 34 to 35. The text of this sermon of this series. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Lord Jesus gave us the new commandment in the New Testament. For the church era, we are not in the Old Testament. We are in the New Covenant or New Testament time. And Jesus said that He loves us first. And if we love Him, we will love one another. So it's all about love. The subject of the love of God is very vital and very important because God is love. Every time we talk about the divine love of God, actually we talk about Him. Every time. We say we grow in the love of God. We are growing in the relationship with God. Every time we talk about God, in fact, we talk about love because God is love. As Christians, we need to understand that we have not arrived. We have not become like Jesus yet. We're still in the process of developing and growing and maturing. So, in this process, we need to be diligent and studious to. Learn and to receive the word of God, and as we study the word of God and we receive the revelation of the Holy Spirit, we will grow more to become like Christ. And as we grow in love, we become more like Him. Love is the characteristic of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to encourage all of you to be hungry, to be diligent and studious in reading the Bible, studying the Bible. Listening to the teaching, we have the teaching provided for you at the CD table for free of charge. It's not free though; it's costly because I have to spend hours and hours and hours to prepare the sermon and edit and do all the thing. It's on my cost. I pay, but you get for free. So it's not free, but you will take advantage of the time that I spend to feed you. But you need to be hungry to learn. Lately, God. Really show me a lot that God's people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. As a heart of the Father, I feel the heart of the Heavenly Father, who loves His kids so much. No father in the world wants the kids to get into trouble. 
to be defeated and to fail. The same thing, the heart of our Father in heaven that is in my heart as the Father of the house. I don't want to see you fail, you defeated, or you are uh, making mistake and get into trouble. I want to see you succeed, prosper, and become strong and fruitful. And how to do that? We need to know the Word of God so that we will not make mistake. First Corinthians chapter eight verse two say, "And if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing. Yet as he ought to know." The apostle Paul, who wrote this scripture, he said that the more we study the word, the less we realize that we know about the word, or the more we learn new things from God, the more we find out that we don't know God that much. That's why we should not be Prideful to say that oh I have gone to church for 20 years I know a lot your guy is just first generation Christian I'm a fourth generation Christian you don't know much I know everything about Old Testament no no the more you know actually you realize the less you know because the truth and the revelation of God is so unlimited that you will never stop learning until one day you go to heaven the apostle Paul who has gone up to the third heaven who planted many churches. And received such a great revelation from heaven. He wrote many epistles in the Bible. He was a man with great anointing and performed signs and wonders. I actually honor Apostle Paul a lot. He said, "We know in part." This man who has gone up to heaven and met Jesus say, "I know in part." In other words, we all know only in part, and we don't know a lot in the Bible. Therefore, we should be humble and keep learning and growing in the area of faith and love and many other subjects in the Bible. We must grow spiritually. I want to challenge you. We are done coming to church just to social and to find a girlfriend and boyfriend and find a job and connection. We come to church with the purpose of building our relationship with God and grow spiritually. And when we come to church. We will be able to hear the word, and we should not stay baby forever to only eat milk and soft diet. We should one day grow up to be able to take in the meat or the steak or the difficult and very challenging teachings. And the more we desire to grow, the more we want to learn from God, the more revelation God can give to us, and then we will grow even more. And we become more stronger and effective for the kingdom of God. This process will never come to an end until one day we go to be with the Lord. And as we grow more and understand the Word more and practice the Word, we will make less mistake. We will do more right things. We will be become more fruitful, and the doors that the devil can attack us will be shut and shut and shut. We get less attacked. We don't need to go through so many tests and trial in life. I need to answer one email: Why Christians have to face trials and hardship? Why Job has to face trial and hardship? I have to go home tonight and answer that email. That why my family member get into trouble? There are many reasons in the Bible, but one of the reasons we can prevent us from getting into the trial and hardship is to grow up very quickly, so that God doesn't have to send. Test and try to try to mold us and change us to become more like Him. Therefore, we need to be diligent, proactive in studying the Word and change and repent and grow very quickly, so that we can shut the door from the devil that he cannot attack us 
as usual. We can come up to the next level. The Bible used the word grace, from grace to grace, from glory to glory, from precept upon precept. So God wants us to progress from one level of grace to another level of grace, from one level of faith to another level of faith. He wants us to grow from one level of love to another level of love. He wants us to keep growing and progressing and learning and maturing. We should not stop growing and learning at all. We must grow in the area of love, and we must grow in the area of faith. The Bible says that we overcome the problem in this world by faith. But at the same time, the Bible says that faith without love will not work. Galatians chapter five verse six: For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. It's like almost a formula. When I write prescription, prednisone or steroid for my patient, I always write Pepsid, 20 milligrams, twice a day, because I know that steroid can eat up the stomach and cause ulcer. So as a medical doctor, I don't want my patient to go to the emergency room to have a rupture stomach because of steroid. Then they will be mad at me. What I do in the prescription, I will have to write steroid and also. Pepsid to protect the stomach or antacid at the same time. Faith and love come together. You cannot separate one from the other. If you want to live a victorious life, if you want to see more victory in your life, you need to walk by faith. But your faith will not work without walking in love. Some of us may pray by faith all the time, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Why? Maybe because you hate your mother-in-law. Maybe because you get mad at some brothers and sisters in the church, and you keep thinking, be bitter, and hold the grudges against somebody. That's why your prayer faith doesn't work. That's why we need to grow in love as well. Amen. Loving one another is an important part of being a witness to the world. In order for our non-believing relative and friend to come to know Jesus, one thing they need to see is that we walk in love. And they see that the brother and sister in the church love one another because that's how they know that Jesus Christ is the living God. Unfortunately, a lot of people in the world have a twisted concept or misunderstanding about the subject of love. They say, "I love you, I love you," but many times that is not agape love; it's a conditional. Love. Many times when people say "I love you," it means I love myself and I love what you can do for me. I love what you can make me feel. When you stop making me feel good, I don't love you anymore. Most of the time, the love of man is selfish. It's about himself or herself. But the love of God is opposite. The love of God is unconditional. The love of God is about somebody else, not about itself. Many men may think that if you walk in love. You are weak. You are weakling. No, love is strong. Love never fails. Love always conquers. Love always wins. When you walk in love, you are not weak. You are strong, and you always win. No matter how big your muscle is, no matter how smart you are intellectually, no matter how much money you have, you can fall. You can be knocked down. You can be sick. You can lose all the money if you put money in the wrong stock market. You can lose everything, 
But if you walk in love, you will never lose. You will never fail. You will never become defeated. The Bible says, "Love never fail." And God is love. God will never become defeated. God will never fail. He is very strong. So when you walk in the love of God, you are a strong man and a woman of God. You are strong in this world. You are not weak people. God always conquers. Therefore, when you walk in love, you always conquers. And love never be conquered by anybody. No one can conquer the love of God. But the key is we need to understand the true love of God. We don't want to walk in the love of the way of human being. We need to walk in the divine love. And God's love say, "Why we are we were still sinners? We were still His enemies. God loved us. God died for us. God gave His life for us. That is the way of God's love." He loved even his enemy, and he died, and he laid down his life for his enemy. The subject of love is so important because it will dictate your life and your future. Whatever you do, whatever you say, how you spend time, when you really love God, the Bible say you will obey His commandment. How we can tell a Christian love God? Not because you sing without being off key. Not because you have a cross in your neck. Not because you can quote all the scriptures and you can teach very well. Great teacher. How can we know a person love God? Obedience. The sign of love is obedience. When you really love God, you obey His commandments. Definitely, one of His commandments is to love our brothers and sister. When you love the brother and sister, you're committed. You're faithful. You don't harm them. You bless them. You serve them. You give to them. You're loyal to them. Love, will, you see, love God will bring the obedience. The obedience will bring you to the life of loving others, and out of that, you will be loyal, faithful, serving, giving, and helping people. That's why the answer of this society is God. Is that we love God, we know God, and love God. Then the whole society will be a good place to live. Because people are going to be loving one another and giving to one another and not take advantage of one another. The love of God is so important. Today, I would like to talk about the subject of loving God and loving the world. That was only introduction that I just mentioned. First John chapter two. That is just basic introduction. First John chapter two. Now I'm going to go into the meat. First John chapter two, fifteen to seventeen. The hors d'oeuvre is done. Now the meat. The real dish. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The Bible says clearly that when we love God, we truly, truly love God. We will not love the things of the world. If we love the world, we don't really love God. There is no exception in this scriptural truth. There is no exception to say that oh, you know, I love God fifty percent and I love the world fifty percent. I love both. There's no such thing. If you love the world, 
The Bible says clearly, you don't love God. Period. There is no exception at all. So if you love the worldly stuff, you make a wrong decision because the Bible says clearly, the worldly things will not last. One day they will go away. But if you love God and you do the will of God, you will abide forever. You will live forever. You live longer than other people, and you're going to abide in heaven. You're going to live for eternity in heaven. I hope you make the right choice. I like something long-lasting. I like to choose to love God because the thing of the world will go away one day, but loving God will bring me to live a long life and live for eternity. Let us define the word "the world" first. The word "the world" in First John chapter two doesn't mean the planet Earth. The planet Earth belongs to God. God created the planet Earth. But the word "the world" in the First John chapter two verses fifteen to seventeen means the world system, the world's way, the world's concept, the world practice, and the world's belief, which is totally opposite to the way of God, to the concept of God, and to the practice of God. The world system. Is against God's system, opposite to God's system. Have you ever heard the word worldliness? That person is worldly. It means that he likes the way of the world. Worldly. Actually, the word worldliness goes hand in hand with another word called ungodliness. What does it mean? Ungodliness and the worldliness the same way. Worldliness and ungodliness have the same meaning. When people talk about the word holiness, let me explain first, because many Christians in the world have total misunderstanding about the word holiness and the word worldliness and godliness and ungodliness. Let me explain to you the word holiness. Many times, Christians in the church, when they talk about holiness, they think about rules and regulations and laws, what you can do, what you cannot do, and that is called legalism. Obeying a rule. Does not make you love God. Obeying the rule does not make you born again. Obeying the rule doesn't make you holy. Legalism will tell you to do ten thousand things and to abstain from another hundred thousand things. Oh man, you cannot have a long hair. If you have a long hair, you are ungodly. You are not holy. Woman, if you put the Makeup on your face, and you come into the church with long pants. Not you don't wear a skirt. You are not holy. That is we call legalism. You see, legalism will tell you what to do and what not to do. Actually, legalism, I don't welcome legalism in this church, because legalism will cause many believers to slip back into the world system. Why? When you cannot fulfill the law that the church g i v e to you, you begin to feel that, hey, what a point! I cannot do whatever the pastor say. I cannot do all the law of this church. I might just as well be having fun while I'm still down on this earth because I cannot do. I'm not a good Christian. I cannot do whatever they say. So I'm not pleasing to God. God doesn't love me. I just slip back and do whatever the world is doing. I'm gonna have fun, and I'm going to hell anyway. So, what's the point to follow God? Legalism causes people to backslide and slip into the world. That is a lie. We are not a Christian because we follow the law. We are a Christian because we love Jesus. Okay, because we have relationship with Jesus. 
rules and regulation is not going to help us. But the main issue, the main things in the church, in the Christian life is, do we love God? Do we like to be close to God? Do we like to meet Him? I don't come to Da with rule and regulation. I don't tell Pastor Da, Da, when you wake up at 5 a.m., you have to clean the toilet. You have to cook. You have to prepare jaya for me. Bun thit neung. You need to have the plate on the table. At 5 p.m. when I come home, food must be ready. Otherwise, Da, I will not be pleased with you. I tell you, if Pastor Da doesn't cook, doesn't know even how to cook, doesn't know anything about cooking, I still love her. Because our relationship is love, not about law in the house. She doesn't have to follow the law for me to love her. I still love her and she loves me. Just be around her, already happy. She doesn't have to cook for me. Just to have her presence. That's wonderful. Should Christians love God? We love His presence. Amen? To be a Christian doesn't mean to try to maintain man's rules and the church regulation and rules so that we can meet the standard of holiness. In fact, holiness means to be like Christ, to be like the master. The reason I stopped cheating and lying, not because of the rule, but because I love Jesus. I stopped cussing and doing bad things. When I was a young boy, I remember in the classroom, my friend handed me a pornographic book. I was only maybe seven years old. I opened and looked. I enjoyed it. At seven, maybe Pastor Dad did not know this. Huh? <laughs> I look at the pornographic book. Now she knows. <laughs> but today, I don't want to even touch it. Not because it's a law that I should not look at the pornographic book or website, but because I have a fellowship with God. I love Him. He let me know that is not good. Uh, 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 uh. Okay, I stopped doing it. When I start to have bad attitude, he say, uh, 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 uh. Okay, Lord. When Pastor Da told me not to do something because it's a bad attitude, I will obey. You know why? Because I love her. I want to please her. Love brings in the change of life, the change of attitude and the action. That's why the love of God is the big subject in the church. Not rule and regulation, not legalism. The question is, how much do you love God? And if you love Him so much, you don't want to displease Him. You don't want to cut Him off from your life. You want to please Him and make Him part of your life. In the book of Romans, the Bible talks about Christians have different levels of faith. Listen carefully. This is very practical, okay? A lot of Christians practice in the wrong way. The Bible talks about we each have different levels of faith. And sometimes what happens is that we try to push our faith into somebody else. Why don't you do that? I stopped smoking. But why don't you stop smoking? Bad, 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 bad boy. You push your light, your lifestyle of your faith in God, your love for God into other people. That doesn't work. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're all going to give our account of our faith and our walk with God on our own. I will not be there for you, okay? I cannot give excuses for you. You're going to have to stand before God yourself. Pastor Dan, Pastor Lau, we need to stand before God ourselves as well. So we all are responsible for our faith and love walk with God. But we don't have the right to judge our brothers and sisters how they walk with God, 
how they love God. How many people know what sin means? I cannot try to bring to the practical point here. Sin means violation of the law. Sin means you know what is right to do, but you don't do it. Two meaning of sin. Sin means break the law, or you don't do what you need to do. You should do. I remember when I was a new believer. I don't know the Bible. I don't know many things that I should do. I don't know even many things that I should not do. But at least I love Jesus. I become born again. I invite Jesus. I love Him. But because of my immaturity and lack of knowledge of the Bible, I did a lot of wrong things when I was a young believer. Because the light or understanding of the Word of God for me as a young believer was very weak and very lacking. But as times go by. I go to church every Sunday. I learn and learn. I grow more. I understand more of what I should not do according to God's heart. I know what I should do, what God say in the Bible, because I love God. Every Sunday I come, I listen to the sermon. Actually, last Friday we have a care group, and the teacher talk about labor in prayer. Oh, I repented. I say, oh, I don't pray enough. I love Jesus. I need to. Improve my life now. You see, even as a pastor, I'm still growing. I'm still learning and growing in the fellowship and learning something from brother and sister that teach me. We all know more and then change more little by little. We learn. We stop doing something and we do more things because we're growing. It takes time to change because we keep growing and learning in the way of God. That's why you cannot judge the person next to you. Because they may not understand everything you know after you become a Christian for 20 years. They are maybe one-year-old Christian. They don't know everything. You cannot touch them. You cannot push your way into them because their revelation and understanding is not at your level yet. That's why our church never preach the message of condemnation. We will not point finger to you, bad boy, bad boy. You don't do this. You don't do that. It's your responsibility with God. You learn. And if you love God, you're going to respond to Him. I don't have the right to judge you, to condemn you at all. We cannot try to tell people how to live. We cannot push our way. Oh, I live this way. You have to live the same way I live. No, 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 no. They have to grow in God themselves, and they love God more. Their life will be changed little by little, day by day. We don't judge one another. Amen. Are you getting this? Okay, I just want to make sure. We will not condemn anybody. We will not judge anybody. We don't have the right to judge anybody's faith. We don't have the right to judge anybody's how they live. It's between them and God. People are at the different stages of maturity, growing up and learning and changing. What we need to do is to love, to be example, to encourage. To pray for them that they will encounter the goodness of God, so that when they encounter the goodness of God, they shall repent and they shall love God even more, and they will change more. Are you getting this? This is how we live the Christian life. How we associate with one another in the local church: love, not condemnation, not judging, not pointing finger. When people come to our church, what we need to do is to love them. God say, love one another. We teach the truth without condemnation, and it's not our job to strengthen anybody out. Let me repeat one more time: It's not the pastor's job to strengthen you out, to fix you. That is a big job. The only person can fix you is God. My job is to love you, pray for you, teach you the truth, and God will fix you. God can strengthen you out. Amen.
I leave that issue to the Lord. God fix them. <laughs> I can sleep well every night. I don't have to lose sleep. I don't have to have high blood pressure. Because I come and preach, I love you. Then I go home. God fix them. Straighten them out. <laughs> Amen. The Lord gonna deal with you. The Lord gonna talk to you, not me. The Lord gonna come and speak to you, either through the Word or by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this question: How many people never make mistake in the past? Raise your hand up. We all make mistake, but as we grow, as we develop spiritually. We will make less mistake. Is that right? That's why. Please don't point finger. You make mistake. I make mistake too. Why we point finger? Some of us may come to church with a religious spirit, and say, "Brother, you are still cussing. You still use a cussing word." But the person who said that was cussing around before they were born again, and not only that, the person who Condemn somebody that use cussing word. Still watching TV program that use cussing words. You judge other, but you do it yourself. Don't judge. Listen carefully. This is important. In fact, stop using cussing words. Eliminate all the bad words from your mouth. Doesn't make you born again. And this is not a sign that you love God. Amen. Follow the rule. Is not a sign of being born again. How do we know that we are born again? We all have weaknesses. Some of us have a habit of lying, gambling, smoking, and drinking. If you come to church, and I, as a pastor, stop right now! Stop smoking! Stop gambling! Stop this and stop that! You're gonna run away because you cannot do it right away. What I need to do as a pastor is to bring you to the love of God, that you will love Him more, and as you love Him more. You want to be close to Him. Listen carefully. This is Christianity. As you love God more, you want to be close to Him. And the Bible says He will draw near to you. As He draw near to you, He will give you power, strength, grace, so that when He tell you, "Don't do that, please. It's not good. It will destroy your life. I love you. I don't want you to keep gambling, or smoking. You're gonna be, have a cancer one day." In your lungs, because you feel the love of God, and God gives you strength, God gives you power and grace. You can quit it, not because you have to follow the law, but because you're so close to God, and God gives you strength and power to be able to quit gambling, quit lying and cheating and doing bad stuff. The most important question for Christians is, how much do you love God? Because the love of God will change your life forever. You draw near to Him because you love Him, and He will change you. Do you know that to grow spiritually takes time? It doesn't happen in one week or two months. It takes years and years of growing and maturing. Can God change us in one second to become like Christ? Yes, but why didn't it happen? Because we all. Respond to God in a different level. Some of us are more stubborn. Some of us don't pay attention to what God says. So it takes time for God to deal with us and develop us little by little. He is a father. He deal with the kids little by little. We all respond to God in a different way. Some of us, God say to us forty times, "Don't do that." We still, 
I don't care. Some of us listen to God one time, repent right away. We all respond to God in a different way. We all have a free will. Everyone say free will. God can do so much. You choose. God cannot force you to choose. That's why God cannot change you to become Jesus overnight. It takes time because we all choose, and sometimes when we rebel and we are stubborn, God can have to send some trial to knock a little bit, kick, 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 and we wake up and say, okay, I repent right now. So it may take years and years to develop and mature in Jesus Christ. When you go outside the church, you're going to see those who are ungodly, those who don't believe in Jesus, do ungodly things. Is that right? Should we point finger and blame them and judge them? Sinners only know how to sin. Ungodly people only know how to do ungodly things. When we go out into the world and meet ungodly people who don't know Jesus, it's not our job to judge them. It's not our job to point finger and say you bad, 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 bad. No, our job is to introduce the love of God to them, witness to them how good God is to them, bring them to know God first, not to give them the rule of the church and the Bible principle because they cannot do it anyway. You bring them to God first. Let them know God, touched by the Holy Spirit, get to know God, and then they love God. They love Jesus, and ungodly practice will drop off little by little, one by one. You see, the brother and sister in the church do that way. Some of us came into the church still shooting drugs. You notice I never say anything to you. You notice that I never come to you and say stop shooting drugs. I never say that. I just love you, pray for you, cast out demon out of you. Teach you the Bible little by little, and I see that you start to change because you love God, not because the pastor gives you the rule and regulation. Amen. Now you see how the love of God influences people. Let me conclude a little bit here. The word worldliness means ungodliness. What does ungodly mean? What does ungodly mean? I try to explain to you about how the love of God impact our life, not by rule, not by recreation, but the love of God is the key of Christian life. Is the main key to help you to grow. Okay, the word ungodliness means there is no God in it. It means God is left out. The ungodly eliminate God from his life. The ungodly doesn't want God in his things in his life. He doesn't want to talk about God, hear about God, or learn about God. When God is in something, He wants to go away. That's why when you invite some people to come to church, they say, "No, no, I don't want to go," because they know God is in there. So they don't want to be in anything that there is God in there because they totally reject God. Is it all right to say to God? Lord, I love you so much. You have died for me. You have helped me. But Lord, I want to do something for a while that you are not in it. When I am in that room and turn on the internet and watch some program, could you please leave the room for two hours? You are not in this room with me, please. That is ungodliness. Kick God out of your life. That's why the Bible says clearly: if you love God, the love of the world should not be in you. You cannot do both at the same time. I love God on Sunday, but you go home. God, get out of my house. God, get out of my business. God, don't get involved with my business right now. I'm gonna cheat. I'm gonna cheat the government. Get out. Get out right now. God, don't stay in this bedroom because I'm sleeping with my secretary. If you love God, God must be in everything you do. 
God should be in your bedroom. God should be with you while you are watching the internet. God should be with you while you are making the deal with your customer. God should be there. You don't kick God out. You don't say to Him, "Please stay out of me." And sometimes people make fun of us that we have God in our decision every single day. I don't mean that we are religious. Eh? We have to walk around like this. Okay, be careful. But I'm not teaching you this way. You walk around the hospital. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. God is good. Walk around God. You know God. You know God. I don't mean that way. That is religious. People run away from you. They think you're crazy. Some Christian practice that way. Everywhere they go, just Hallelujah. People say, "Why are you crazy?" I don't understand hallelujah. I mean, that's why they think some Christians are nuts because they're religious. No, God is in us, but we don't have to be too religious to the point people run away from us. We get God involved in everything we do, but we don't have to be religious. Amen. When you get up in the morning, what do you think? Do you think about God first? Do you say this is the day that the Lord has made? I rejoice and be glad in it. Do you say to God, God, today I'm going to go out to my office. Come with me, please. Help me. Be with me all day. Be with me when I deal with my customer. We deal with my boss. Stay with me. Don't get out of here. Let me ask this question: How many people want God's blessing? How many people want God's direction? How many people want God's protection, grace, favor? How can you get God blessing, favor, protection, direction, and blessing? If you say to God, "Please stay away from me," I want to run my own life. How can you give legal right to God to bless you, protect you, lead you, guide you, grace you, bless you, everything? If you kick God out of your life, become ungodly. The only way to receive protection, healing, and grace and favor is to include God. Into every decision you make, you welcome Him into your life 24/7. Then the protection gonna be there, the grace of God gonna be there. Does He have the legal right to protect you? This is the problem. Many Christians wake up in the morning. God is somewhere else. They never include God into their life, and something bad happened in their business, and they begin to blame God. God, why don't you protect me? When they get into trouble, they pray, "God, help! Come and help me!" God, come and help and resolve the problem. After God resolve the problem, uh, God get out of here now. I want to run my own life again. I just need you when I am in trouble. But when I am done, I'm fine now. Get out of here. Don't run your life that way, please. Get God involved in your life. You need to be godly. You need to have God in your life. You love God. If you love God, you want Him to be around you and get involved with everything you do. Amen. I want to encourage you. If you start a business, you pray to God, kneel down to God, and pray, God, this business is yours. I told God, my practice is God. I'm gonna practice for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for reminding your church about loving God more than loving the world. We cannot love the world, Father, because we're gonna become your enemy. We want to be your friend. We want to love you, Lord. Help this church not to be condemning church, but we will understand that we all have weaknesses and mistakes, and we can change because we love you and come close to you and let you change us and grace us, Lord. Lord, come with us everywhere. 
We need your protection. We need your grace. We need your blessing. We need your guidance, Lord. Oh Lord, may the member of this church love you so much, and you will change them from glory to glory to glory. In Jesus' name, I pray. Are you ready for the word of God? Yes. Let's pray, Father. We thank you so much, Lord, for. Your word, and we believe, Lord, today you will speak to your people. Lord, the word of God is our spiritual food. We want to understand your ways and your will, and what you want to do in our life, Lord. We want to obey your word, because we believe, Lord, when we obey what you say, we shall be blessed, and we can be good representative of your kingdom on earth in this generation. We open our heart to hear and to receive what you want to say by your Holy Spirit today. Lord, educate us, transform us, empower us, Lord, so that we can have the grace to practice what we learn. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. We are in the series of the love of God, and I would like to continue the second part of the sermon title called the. Love your God, not the world. I would like to review the scripture a little bit. I preached this sermon two weeks ago in First John chapter two, fifteen to seventeen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The world is not the earth, the planet Earth. The planet Earth belongs to God. When the Bible talks about the world, it means the world system, the world concept, the world belief and practices, and the world system is controlled by God's enemy, Satan. And evil spirit. That's why, if we love the world, we automatically, whether we know it or not, follow the way of his enemy, Satan. And there are two English words that have similar meaning. One word is worldliness, which means a person who loves the world system and follow the worldly way. Another word is ungodliness, which means there is no God in it. You kick God out. You eliminate God from what you're doing, your thoughts, your idea. You don't want to hear about God. You don't want to talk about God. That is ungodliness. The word worldliness and the word ungodliness are the same thing. The world reject God, and people who are ungodly also reject God. James chapter four verses four to six: Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is Enmity with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the Scriptures say in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but He gives more grace? Therefore, He say, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In this Scripture. The apostle James talk about friendship with the world. 
The word friendship in the Greek language means fondness or fond of. If you become friend with the world, you become an enemy of God. Because the world system is opposite to God's system. It's interesting. James continued to say in verses 7 and 8, you can see the connection between these scriptures. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The ungodly or the worldly people don't want God in their life. They say, leave me alone. Don't bother me. I don't want to be bothered by the commandments of God. I don't like to hear the word God. I don't want to know about God's command. I don't want to obey the way of God. They become friends with the world, and they become the enemy to God. Verses 4 to 6 talking about being friends with the world. And then verses 7 and 8 talk about resist the devil. What does it mean? It means that every human being serves somebody. And there are only two kingdoms in the world, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. If you reject God, you chase God out of your life, whether you know it or not, you automatically serve the devil. You may say that I'm my own God. I don't want to serve anybody. But there's no such thing. If you chase God out of your life, you automatically serve the devil. That's why James say, resist the devil. When you are ungodly, you will love the ungodly things. You will follow the ways of the devil. That's why the Bible says you become an enemy of God. Is it possible that we say, I love God with all my heart. He helped me so much. But at the same time, I like to hang out with the ungodly things. I love to hang out with people who hate God, who despise God and mock God. It's impossible. You have to choose one or the other. Every one of us have choices to make. We have to choose between God and the devil. We have to choose between the heaven or the world system. And we need to make choice every single day when we wake up, whether we're going to follow God, we're going to include God into our life, or we will chase Him out of our way. As Christians, as the church, we are the bride of Christ. We are engaged to Jesus Christ, who will come back to have a wedding ceremony with the bride. He is the bridegroom. When we fall in love with the world, we are unfaithful to God and we commit adultery, or we commit sexual immorality with the evil spirit, and we cheat God. So that's why we have to make a choice every day, whether we're going to love God and be faithful to Jesus, or we will be unfaithful and fall in love with the system of the world. Definitely all of us are tempted every day to love the world, including me. I'm tempted too. But we have to make choice whether we're going to follow the temptation are we going to yield to temptation or are we going to follow the way of God? There is one example in the Bible, a man named Demas. Demas was helping Paul in his ministry. Do you know that Paul has a great ministry? He was so anointed. He performed signs and wonders, planted churches. And I believe that those who work in the same ministry of the Apostle Paul has seen all kinds of signs and wonders and great things in many, many cities. And Demas was one of them who 
had associated with Paul, received the revelation from God through Paul. He saw everything that God did through Paul. But the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Demas departed Paul's ministry. He left God. He left the ministry. And what was the reason? The Bible says because he loved the world more than God. Is it possible that you have been a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, 50 years, and one day you choose the same way as Demas' way, that you just walk away from the church? You walk away from God's things, God's way, and follow the worldly way. Yes, you can, and I can too. We have to watch ourselves every single day, whether we're going to choose God or we're going to choose the way of the world. And I pray that you will be wise enough not to choose the way of the world. The devil will paint very beautiful picture of the things of the world, the pleasure of this world, the temporary pleasure. But this is the truth. The way of Satan, the way of sin, and the way of the world will bring destruction, corruption, sin, and death. I understand this very well because I'm a medical doctor. I've seen people sick with cancer, die, people get into trouble, people drink too much alcohol, then they have a brain atrophy, the brain becomes shrink, they lose their memory, they drink too much, the liver becomes cirrhotic or cirrhosis liver, and they die because they follow the way of the world. People get drunk and drive and get into car accident and get into big injuries, head injury. I've seen the destruction, corruption, and death in the way of the world. The physical, temporary pleasure that you receive from the world is not worth enough for you to forsake God. If you choose the way of the world, you are choosing corruption and destruction. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2 to 3. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Paul used the same language as James and John, talking about unfaithfulness to the groom or the Lord Jesus Christ. He said that God is a jealous God. God has a reasonable jealousy. You know, sometimes people have unreasonable jealousy. I have seen some husband who do not want their wife to associate with anybody, keep the wife in the home, and don't want the wife to have any friend, uh, any male friend, don't want it, the wife to associate with anybody because he's so jealous of the wife. And that is unreasonable jealousy. I want to tell you one thing. Nobody owns anybody. I don't own my wife. She doesn't own me. I don't own you either. The members of the church are not mine. You are God's people. And if a husband wants to cheat his wife, no matter how much the wife tries to follow him around, he will find a way to cheat her because she doesn't own him. He can walk away anytime. A husband can be unfaithful and walk away from the wife anytime. But that is a stupid thing to do anyway. But if he leaves you, God can give you a better one. So let him go. If he doesn't repent, let him go. Because you don't own anybody. If a person chooses to go, you cannot stop him. Amen? 
if the husband loves the wife, he will not love a mistress. If a husband come to a wife and say, "I really loved you, but I cannot forsake that lady. I still need to be with her," you have to say, "No, sir, I cannot accept that. You need to be faithful to only one woman, and that's me. I'm your wife. You cannot allow your husband to flirt around with many women." If he really loved you, he will not hurt you. The Bible says, "Love does no harm to his neighbor." If I really love my wife, I will not hurt her. I will do everything to bless her. Amen. I will not hurt my kids either. When I talk like this, don't take me wrong. I want to be clear right now to all of you. We are not here to condemn anybody. If you make mistake in the past. Maybe you are new in this church. I don't know you before. You make mistake. You flirt with some woman, and you were unfaithful to your wife, and now you repented, and you wanted to go on with God. No one condemn you. God forgive you. Just start all over again. Don't go back to the old life of being unfaithful to your spouse. Any man and any woman can have evil thoughts and desires. Any man and any woman can be tempted to do wrong thing. But what? Keeps us from following our fleshly desire. Do you know what keeps us from following the fleshly desire? The love for God, the love for people. Your love for God should be stronger than your own desire. Your love for God should make you hold yourself back from following the temptation. Some people may say to God, "I loved you, Lord, but I love to go to some." Bad places. I love to get high. I love to get some drugs. But I love you so much. That is a total lie. If you love God, you will not make God grieved. The Bible talk about people can grieve God. If you love God, you will not satisfy your fleshly desire. You will follow Him and make Him happy. A selfish man who loves himself will betray his wife. Will break the covenant vow. Will betray the confidence of his customers and his employer, and will throw his children into disarray and heartache. A selfish man would do everything for his own desire, but a godly man who loves God, who fear God, will hold back and say no to the fleshly desire, to the temptation, and make God happy. Be faithful to God. If you really love God, you will control yourself. This is the reason why our church don't throw law into God's people in the church, because legalism will not help you. I rather help you to love God and have experience of the grace and the goodness of God, because the more you love God, the less you will follow the way of the world. If you love God, you will not grieve God, because He is your divine husband. You are His bride. You are engaged to him. You will not rebel against him. You will be faithful to him. Backsliding means a person who used to love God, fall in love with Jesus, go to church, serve God, on fire for God. One day, go back to the way of the world, leave the church, and stop serving the Lord. They begin to have intimate relationship with evil spirit. They sleep with the evil spirit. In other words, in the spiritual realm, it's a spiritual adultery. They have an affair with the evil spirit, and that caused God to be grieved. 
First Corinthians chapter 10 verses 5 to 8. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. This scripture talks about the children of Israel in the wilderness. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. God recorded the Bible to be our example. To the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. 23,000 people died because they loved the system of the world. They followed the evil things and they forsook God. When you follow the way of the world, you may get into trouble. Sexual immorality, fornication, adultery. I don't believe that people who live a sinful lifestyle really love God. If you love God, you will not live a sinful lifestyle. As Christians, we should love God and God should be in every part of our life. God should be in our bedroom. God should be at our workplace, at our computer. When we look at the things in the computer, is God there with us? Or we chase God out and say, we're going to do whatever we want. I'm going to watch some program that you don't like. God, would you please leave this room for a few minutes? God should be in our car. God should be in our garage. God should be with our words when we talk to our spouse or our children. God should be involved in any activities in our life, any decision that we make in our life. God should be there in our marriage. So please bring God in and love Him more than the system of the world. The Bible talks about the outcome of people who reject God who chased God out of their life. And this is the outcome that I would like to read to you in Romans chapter 1, verses 18, 24 to 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. Everyone say ungodliness. This passage of the Bible talks about people who reject God, eliminate God from their life, ungodliness, there is no God in it, and unrighteousness of men who suppressed the truth in unrighteousness. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to wild passions, For even their women exchange their nature used for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lusts for one another, men with men committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality. Okay, from now on, I'm going to read the list of people who follow the way of the world practice today. And I hope that you don't do this in your Christian life. Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, 
evil-mindedness. They are worshippers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. You can see that the way of the world is totally opposite to the way of God. Before I continue to preach, I want to say this from my heart. I and Pastor Da and this church love the ungodly. We don't condemn people who practice ungodly things. We don't condemn adulterers, fornicators. We don't condemn those who still go out to drink and to get high, who watch pornography. We don't condemn anybody. We love them and we want to see them saved. We love sinners. We love the ungodly. That's why you never heard me attack anybody on the stage here, whatever, the government or anybody, because we are not here to attack anybody. We're here to love, but we don't agree with their practice. The church needs to stand on the principle of God without condemnation. Having sexual immorality or sexual relationship outside marriage is ungodly. People may say that we love each other, so we're going to stay together. We're going to get married one day. Planning to get married and being married are not the same thing. And many people who say we're going to get married one day, they haven't got married yet. For after 20 years, they still live together without getting married because they just want to have fun without commitment. It's so simple. I want to talk to some young woman in this room, some young lady. If a man come to you and say, can I have sex with you, but I'm not going to marry you, tell me or tell Pastor Caesar. He's big. If your dad doesn't deal with it, I'm going to deal with that man in this church. He cannot do anything to woman in this house. Amen? That is unacceptable to come after you for sex without getting married. It's ungodly. Amen? Adulterers, sleeping with somebody else's wife, sleeping with somebody else's husband, is also ungodly. Do you know why God takes serious about sexual immorality? Because after he created Adam, he told Adam, it's not good for a man to live alone. He should have a helper. So God established a married institution. And the married institution is godly and sacred. The marriage institution is the best representation of the relationship between Jesus and the church. So when they, we despise the marriage institution, we are despising the relationship between Jesus and the church. So don't let the world deceive you that sexual immorality is okay. Sleeping together before marriage. Adulterer, having relationship with other people's spouse are all ungodly. And we don't want to get involved with that. When I say this, I know that somebody may not be like me anymore. Because they feel that I speak the truth and testify for the wrong thing. Even Jesus said that the world hates him because he testified that the deeds of the world system are wicked. If the world hates him, the world will hate us as well. But we continue to say ungodly things are ungodly 
and we don't agree, but we love you. Amen. John chapter three verse twenty. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Again, you have two choices: you choose God, the light, or the godly things, or you choose the world, the wicked and the evil things and darkness. I am smart enough to choose the godly things because godly way will bring life to me, but the ungodly way will bring destruction, corruption, sin, and death to my life. I rather choose life, not death. John chapter seven verse seven: The world cannot hate you, but it hates me. This is the word of Jesus. The world hate Jesus because I testify of it that the, its works are evil. It's so clear now. That there are two worlds here. You live for the world, or you live for God. If you live for God, you love God. Your godly life will be different from the world. Remember this: the wages of sin are death. Don't live a sinful lifestyle. Don't follow the way of the world. Don't fall in love with the world. Because if you do that, the Bible says clearly, you commit adultery. You are unfaithful to God, and you make God grieve. First John chapter two verse twenty nine. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. If you truly born again, if you really love God and love Jesus, you will practice righteousness. You don't want to make God grieve. Ungodly people in the world don't want God in their life. They don't want God in their home, in their business, in the courthouse, in the school. They want to worship themselves. But in fact, they don't worship themselves; they worship Satan without knowing it, and they think that they can worship other gods. Actually, the Bible said there is only one God; His name is Jehovah. He sent Jesus Christ to be the way, the life, and the truth to Him. There is no other God. If you say you worship other gods, in fact, according to the Bible, you worship demons and evil spirits. There are no other real God; only true and living God. If you forsake God, you are following evil spirit. You reject Him. You don't worship Him. Then you follow demons and evil spirit unknowingly. Amen. This is serious. Why so many people get into trouble? Because they allow evil spirit to come into their life. Ungodliness is adultery. Commit spiritual sexual relationship with evil spirit and demons, and it's not good. If you choose godly way, you will bring peace, love, joy, loyalty, faithfulness, kindness, and gentleness into your home. I want to talk to the husband in this room, all the men in this room. Do you love your wife and love your kids? If you love them, don't yield to ungodliness. If you turn on pornography in your room, in your home, if you start to enjoy drinking too much, that the, the alcohol become your joy. You are opening the door. If you take drugs, you are opening the door for the evil spirit to come into your home. They will not only destroy you, but they will destroy your wife and your kids. And you can get into trouble. Your home can get into trouble. As a man of God, as a husband, I have the responsibility to protect my wife and my kids. To not open the door for ungodliness or evil spirit to come into my home with any kind of wrong idea, wrong practice, wrong concept. I don't want to bring them into my home at all. I want to have only one husband that is Jesus Christ. In First Corinthians chapter sixteen, 
22-23. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. When we don't love the Lord Jesus, we love the world. Then we get into trouble. We, will, we devote ourselves to destruction and curses. Whenever something comes up to your life, you need to ask this question. Is God in it? Is this glorify God? Is God involved in this situation? You need to ask that question. Should I stay in it? Should I continue to watch it? Should I continue to go there? Should I get involved with this? Is God in it? If God is not in it, I recommend you stay away from it because you are seeking the problem because you open the door to the devil. You should love Jesus with all your heart so that you will not pursue destruction. Do you know that God never sent anybody to hell? Do you know that God already died for everybody in the world? God saved everybody. People send themselves to hell because they reject salvation and they reject God. Jesus died for everybody on earth. But when you say no to Jesus, you reject salvation and you send yourself to hell, send yourself out of heaven. Therefore, don't blame God. God already died for everybody. God already saved everybody, but we reject God. We need to say yes to God and love God and say no to the devil. We should love Jesus now and we should love Jesus when he come back. One day he will come back. And on that day, the Bible say, mountain will be moved. Sinner will cry out that the rock will fall on them because it's going to be a day of judgment. We should love Jesus now. We should follow the way of God now. And if you love God, you will love your brothers and sisters. And you want to know his command. You want to know the Bible. You want to have the spiritual experience with him. On the other way, if you hate God and you love the world, you're going to start to have spiritual experience with evil spirit. Let me read the last passage of the scripture here. You make a choice whether you want to follow God or you want to follow evil spirit. In 1 Corinthians 10, 14 to 23, I know that this sermon is quite strong, but I think we need to hear it. You need to be educated so that you will not do wrong thing. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not be communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion with the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying then? Now Paul wants to explain about worshipping idol. That an idol is anything or what is offered to idol is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful means you can do whatever you want. You can choose to do whatever you want. But not all things are edified. Not all things edified. I want to conclude this sermon. Only two kingdoms. The Apostle Paul talked about worshipping idols. Today, idols in America may not be a picture of person or a statue, but your idol can be 
enjoying nightclubs. Your idol can be pornography. Your idols can be certain kind of movie. Maybe alcohol. Maybe smoking. Maybe cheating or taking advantage of the poor. Your idols can be many things. The Apostle Paul say clearly that when we get out of God's way, we are fellowshipping with demons. Is it cool to see Pastor Lau in a nightclub on Friday night? Is it cool to see Pastor Lau and Pastor Da sit together and have a high? <sighs> or get drunk on Saturday night? It's not cool. I don't go to nightclub. I don't get high. I don't take drugs. Not because it's a law in the church, but I don't want to get involved or have a sexual relationship with evil spirit. I don't want to provoke God to jealousy and make God upset with me. I need to make choice. If I hang around with people in the nightclubs, in the bar, I hang around with people who welcome evil spirit. And the evil spirit is going to catch on you and go back home with you. And that evil spirit will bring the gang cancer, arthritis, back problem. And eventually you get into trouble because you hang out in a nightclub all the time. You get involved with the pornography. In the, when you turn on pornography, demon will jump on you and catch you. And then they will bring friends, the gangs. When you get into trouble, don't blame God. God's protection is not there because you open the door to fellowship with demons. This is serious. I'm not coming to you with legalism. I'm coming to you with the knowledge that this is a serious issue. Don't fellowship with evil spirit. Don't get involved with demons. They come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. They're not your friend. Amen? After you give your life to Jesus, you repent of your sin, God cleanses you, God loves you. Definitely, evil spirit will not let you go easily. He's going to come to you in your backyard on Saturday night or Friday night and call you, Hello, Jim, Tom, let's go out and drink together. And your flesh will scream inside you. Oh, I think it's a good idea to just for one day, just one day today, God doesn't know, pastor doesn't know, I can go out to get high and drink in the nightclub on Friday night. Your flesh scream out, and suddenly the love of God in your spirit will grab the flesh by the neck and say, shut up! Hallelujah! Don't go to the nightclub! Don't go to get high! Shut up! Go to the Holy Ghost party! And get drunk in the new wine. Read the Bible and pray. Don't follow your flesh. The flesh is going to scream to follow demons. The demon is going to come and talk to you to do bad things. He will not let you go easily. Love God, not the world. Don't participate in the worldly things. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for reminding your church not to commit adultery with the evil spirit, not to be adulterers and adulteresses. Lord, we want to love Jesus alone with all our heart, our soul and mind. We want to be your holy bride. Keep ourselves pure to be the right virgin for you, Lord. We want to love you with all our heart. We need your direction. We need your blessing. We need your favor and grace and power. We give you the legal right to 
guide us by getting you involved with our life, Lord, in every areas, in our marriage, in our bedroom, in our computer time, in our phone call, in the car, in the business, everything you get involved with us, Lord. We want you to be our God, our lover. We don't want demons. We don't want Satan. We don't want evil spirit who come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But we want only Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for warning your church not to go into the wrong direction. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Today, if you know that you're still in the world system, you don't know Jesus yet, and you say, God, I don't want to be in the world system anymore. I don't want to be a part of Satan. I want to be a part of God. Jesus came to die for you, to save you. He already saved you. It's your choice to say yes to God. He loves you. He wants you to go to heaven. If you want to invite Jesus to come to your life, pray with me right now. Amen? How many people want to choose God, not to choose the world? Raise your hand up. Choose God's way. Pray with me. Those who never accept Jesus, pray with me. Father in heaven, I want to know you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Jesus, you suffer for me. You pay the price for me. You love me first. You lay down your life for me, Lord Jesus. I invite you to come into my life. I don't want the way of the world. I want your way, Lord. I want to love you more than anything. From today on, Jesus, I will serve you and worship you only. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming into my life. I repent of my sin and I want to walk with you. Forgive me, Lord. Strengthen me. Empower me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the hand to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The reason we lay hand and let the fire of God touch people because we all need the power of God to help us not to follow the, or yield to the temptation. Not only that, some of us... Are have made mistakes in the past, and demons already come into you to reside in you, to control you. So when the fire of God touch you, He will chase the demon out of you, set you free again, make you holy, give you a new heart to love Jesus, so that the temptation cannot control you anymore. The devil cannot control you anymore. Believe me, all of us have some weaknesses in our life. Some of us, the big issue is not sex, but it's about money. We love money. Some of us, the big issue is not drugs, but it's about pride. Don't talk to me like that. You touch my pride. And that is the way of the world. Pride is the way of the world. So we need God to clean us up. The way of the world must go out. And only the way of God come in. All of us need some kind of cleaning. You know, sometimes we just emphasize about pornography and sex, but actually, all of us have something that God needs to deal with. The way of the world needs to come out from our life. Amen? Hallelujah. I like to pray for people who want to be set free from the way of the world 
and you can love God more and follow the way of God. Jesus, Jesus.